0: Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Thief Steaks ends April 3rd, 2023. Void or prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See
1: official rules at frito Hello there, friends, and welcome on into episode 42 of The Sco Show, probably a part of the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network and brought to you by the great people at SB Nation. My name is Mark Schofield, happy to be back in the big chair for today, Thursday, November 21st. We're just one week out to Thanksgiving, and as I said on yesterday's show, next week will be business as usual here at The Sco Show. We'll have, hopefully, a glorious victory installment for you sometime Sunday night, breaking down the game against the Dallas Cowboys. Then we'll be back Wednesday and Thursday to do what we usually do here. Break down the Cowboys game some more and start peeking ahead to the Houston Texans. And so if you're going to be out with the family on vacation, running around, family, friends, traveling, all that sort of stuff, you will still have at least, I won't say 60 minutes to 90 minutes of good football content. You'll get, you know, 40 to 45 minutes of good football content. The shows will be the same length. I'm just saying that, look, not everything I spin is gold, okay? I do my best, but it's not all great. It's good, passable, average. You know, you know me. But so fear not, full week next week. Today's show is a big one. RJ Ochoa from Blogging the Boys. He's going to come on. We're going to talk Victory Monday, Victory Polo Monday. That's one of his brands on Twitter. I was going to talk about the Dallas Cowboys offense and the Dallas Cowboys defense and what he needs to see from the Cowboys on Sunday. But first, we're to talk the Dallas passing game. But before we do any of that, you know what we got to do first? Your usual cavalcade of reminders. Please do follow along with the hijinks at Mark Schofield on Twitter. Check out the work. Variety of places. Inside the pylon.com. Pro Football Weekly. Matt Waldman's rookie scouting portfolio. Three. Yes, three. SB Nation websites. Big Blue View leading Green Nation, where I co-host the QB Scotia show with the Honorable Michael Jenkist and, yes, Pat's Pulpit, where today there will be a piece on the Dallas passing game. And if you are listening to this podcast right now and you have a means to pull up that article on the Dallas passing game from Pat's Pulpit, I would highly advise you to do that because a lot of what I'm about to talk about in the Dallas passing game is taken from that article. Plays, segments, illustrations, they're in there. It's kind of like a multifaceted approach, true listener immersion into the Dallas passing game. But we have to start, of course, with Dak Prescott. I wrote over at Pro Football Weekly a couple of weeks ago in a piece sort of ranking and handicapping The quarterback MVP candidates, I made the case that three quarterbacks down the stretch will probably be the guys to put money on. Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Dak Prescott. And I firmly believe that right now Dak Prescott is an MVP candidate. I know that most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time, MVP is a QB wins award, right? Your team wins games and you're the quarterback of that team, you're going to get votes for MVP. But I think you have to sort of look at what Dak Prescott is doing right now and put it in a different category. Because by any number of advanced metrics, Dak Prescott is having an MVP season. Let's just run through some of them quickly. Now we're going to start super analytical for a second. Ben Baldwin, at Ben B. Baldwin on Twitter, Covers the NFL for the Athletic Seattle, does a ton in the sort of data analytics world, and he has his sort of quarterback efficiency ratings, and he p- updates them every week. And the first thing he sort of looks at is a composite of expected points added and completion percentage over expectations. He kind of puts those together to get. He he thinks and believes that that's the sort of best way to look at quarterback play because. EPA looks at some things differently and weighs them differently than completion percentage over expected. You put those together, you get a real true sense of where a quarterback is. He, He, Dak Prescott, is first in the league in that composite. EPA per play, expected points per play, Dak Prescott is first in the league among quarterbacks. Unadjusted EPA per play, Dak Prescott is first in the league. Success rate per play, Dak Prescott is first in the league. Only in just completion percentage over expectations alone does he fall out of the first-place number, out of the first-place ranking. He falls all the way to sixth. You want to go by sort of more traditional metrics of quarterback play? Well, quarterback rating, it is what it is, but he's eighth, 104.1. Adjusted net yards per attempt, he's third, 8.33, behind just Patrick Mahomes and Kirk Cousins. ESPN's total QBR, he's second. 77.8, tied with Lamar Jackson and just two-tenths of a point behind Russell Wilson. These are MVP numbers. He's having a very good year. He went off last week against the Detroit Lions, although the Detroit Lions are the Detroit Lions this year. They're not a great defense. But what is it about Prescott this year that has enabled him to produce like this? And I get into that with RJ in a minute. But as I argue in the piece on Pat's pulpit, there are a number of things. There's Kellen Moore and what I'm calling layering to the Cowboys offense. There's Prescott's ability to make some throws to the boundary. There's Kellen Moore's usage of pre-snap movement in motion. And there's Prescott's relationship with Amari Cooper. And I'll start there. Because when the Cowboys acquired Amari Cooper last year, you saw an instant change in the productivity of the Cowboys' offense. And you can go back and look at the numbers from last year that sort of bore that out. Matter of fact, there is a piece from Blog and the Boys after the Amari Cooper acquisition from November 24th, 2018, so almost a year to the day. Over his first four games, this is what he meant to their offense— Before the trade, they were were averaging 20 points per game. After the trade, 24 points per game, a jump of 20%. Before the trade, 319 yards per game. After the trade, 359, a jump of 13%. Passing yards pre-trade, 202. Passing yards post-trade, 252, a jump of 25%. Completion percentage went from 62 before the trade to 70 after the trade. Yards per attempt went from 6.9 to 7.8. Passer rating went from 87.4 to 102.4. Third down conversions went from 4.1 to 6.5, a jump of 59%. Cooper made this offense better. And part of the reason that he made the offense better is one of the areas where Dak Prescott traditionally struggled was with ball placement. It's something that I didn't thought he did well. I didn't think he did that well. Coming out of Mississippi State, precision ball placement. But when you have a receiver like Amari Cooper that can get consistent separation, ball placement does, does not matter as much. And so that's the Cooper piece of it. But there's an additional thing we're seeing this year, which is the feel and the relationship between these two players. And you go, go and read that piece from Pat's but You'll see examples of these two just being on the same page. And Prescott making anticipation throws because he knows and trusts that Cooper is going to get open. So there's the Cooper piece. This is just a long way of building up to the fact that you're going to see Stephon Gilmore on Amari Cooper. The other thing to mention, the pre-snap movement in motion. I talk about this so much. I talked about Carson Wentz this week and all the time with Tom Brady. It's the way to give your quarterback information before the play. Kellen Moore is doing that with Dak Prescott, and it gives him the ability to make some decisive reads and throws. So that's been a big part of it. Prescott's ability to make throws to the boundary, the deep comeback route, is a big part of what they do with Cooper, with Gallup, and with everybody else. And why is that important this week? Well, we know the Patriots play a ton of man coverage. And the deep comeback route is such an effective route to run against man coverage. Because you sell them on the vertical route, you get them to break up field, and then you break back. And if you have a quarterback that is making these throws with timing and anticipation, it's almost impossible to defend. So that's going to be something to watch for on Sunday. And finally this, I mentioned the idea of layering. One of the things that Moore's offense does is it gives Prescott options in a layered manner to one area of the field, often in the middle. And they'll run Mills concept. They'll run Yankee concept. They'll run NCAA Mills, for example. We can start there. Mills concept we know, right? Post, dig route right underneath it. NCAA Mills adds a third layer to that with a shallow crosser. So you've got three reads high, medium, and low all in the middle of the field. You look at Prescott's touchdown pass to Tony Pollard last week. It was NCAA Mills. There was a coverage bust that looked to be a quarter's coverage. Detroit busts, wide open, yak yeah, touchdown. But he's just reading one side of the field. They'll run flood, they'll run sale. Route concepts where you get that same three-level stretch with a vertical, a deep out, and then a flat route to one side of the field or the other. And so Prescott just has to read one area, but you're still stressing the defense from line of scrimmage downfield. So that's another thing that they do so incredibly well. And you put all of this together, and it means that This Cowboys offense has the ability to stress you from sideline to sideline, from line of scrimmage to deep, all while sometimes Prescott just has to read one area of the field or sometimes just one receiver, and it might be that deep comeback route to a guy that he trusts in Amari Cooper who seems to work himself open almost all the time. That's a lot to defend. And they've got Ezekiel Elliott too. So this offense is going to give them a challenge. Now, this defense, though, that the Patriots have, has shown time and time again an ability to answer these types of calls. And I think this game in particular is going to be a game that highlights the importance of the varied skill set this Patriots secondary has. And it's something we've been talking about this year in almost every single postgame show, but the ability of Bill Belichick, Steve Belichick, Gerard Mayo and company to basically play matchups in the secondary, like we saw last week with Gilmore on Zach Ertz, It's going to play a huge role this week because you've got guys like Tavon Austin, Michael Gallup, Randall Cobb, and yes, Amari Cooper. Well, you pick the guys that match up best with them. You might see a a Jonathan Jones on a Michael Gallup. You might see a JC Jackson on a Randall Cobb. They could mix things around. Jason Witten still can do some things, but I don't think you worry about him too much. You can leave Brooks on him if Chun can't go and you'll be okay. But they'll be able to play that mix-and-match matchup game in the secondary And against a varied skill set like the Cowboys have at the receiver position, it's going to come in huge this week. Now, one thing to mention about their defense, and we'll hear more from R.J. Ochoa about the defense in a second. But I did want to highlight something that was brought to my attention this week via the Twitter machine. I get a lot of communication, a lot of DMs and stuff from... Pats fans all the time, one of the great listeners to the show, great Pats account at Patriots S-B-L-I-I-I, at Patriots Super Bowl 53, his now handle is obviously Patriots Super Bowl 54, but he brought this to my attention and giving him the shout out, and he heard Lombardi on Dallas radio, Mike Lombardi on Dallas radio, basically lay out the game pan, and I'm I'm quoting from Lombardi's here, peace. His bit on radio in Dallas. In the last two seasons, when the Cowboys play 30 minutes or more on defense, they're 5 and 17. When they play 30 minutes or less, they're 20 and 4. Why is that? It's because the Cowboys are small on defense. They rely on quickness, they rely on speed, they rely on their movement to make plays. When they have to stand in the middle of the ring for 22, 23 minutes, I mean, excuse me, 32, 33 minutes, they wear down. That's the essence of this game. And I think what you'll see from the Patriots is you'll see tempo. You'll see them control. You'll see them want to hold the ball 34-plus minutes and keep Zeke and Dak off the field. Now, the numbers, obviously, look, time of possession, one of the clock out, things like that, they might skew that a bit. But I think the larger point is what Lombardi is getting at. Keep Zeke and Dak off the field and wear down this defense with Tempo. And this has been where the Patriots' offense seems to be going. They looked good when they went to tempo against Baltimore. Again, they brought it out against Philly. And while they didn't put it in the end zone at times, those red zone woes seem to be rearing their ugly head again like they were last year. The tempo is where this offense wants to be. And I think we're going to see more of that on Sunday. Shout out to SB, Patriots SB at 53 for listening and chiming in with that. Really appreciate you, my man. That will do it for me. Enough for me. You're sick of me. I get it. Up next, RGO Cho for some quality time on Dallas from Blogging the Boys. That's ahead on episode 42 of The Sco Show. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. Ed, welcome back to episode 42 of the Sco Show. probably a part of the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network, and brought to you by the great folks at SB Nation. And it's time for a quality time. And with the Dallas Cowboys on the horizon, there's probably nobody better to talk to. He covers the Cowboys, does so fantastic work for a blog of the boys. He is a tremendous friend as well. He's R.J. Ochoa. R.J., buddy, how you doing, my friend? How's,
0: I'm doing well, Mark. It's always great to be uh, surrounded by you and your glory. Uh, <laughs> it always makes me think of Toto and Scrub, so... Uh puts me in a great place when we're chatting.
1: Well, it is nice that you think of me that way. and It is the brand, and so I more than expect that. And look, RJ, you know I'm a quarterback guy, so it's probably no surprise I'm going to start here. What has gotten into Dak Prescott this season, and how is he able to play at such a high level this year?
0: Well, I think um, I think you, more than anybody, can speak to the mechanics of how Dak's playing. And uh, I think that's been an area of emphasis for him, really, since, uh, since the offseason. And I think a big part of that has been John Kitna. You know, Kellen Moore's getting a lot of praise, rightfully so. But John Kitna has been the person. You know, everybody talks about the the hip uh, dance, and that's right. been. You know, Tom House had a lot to do with that, obviously. But John Kitna has been somebody who's really sort of focused on those areas for Dak. And you know, Dak's thrown, for example, nine interceptions at this point of the season. But you know, he's also thrown twenty one touchdowns and. I think, you know, he's being coached to be aggressive, and I think that that's the biggest change that we're seeing in Dak. He's throwing much further downfield, more often downfield, and it's as a result of trying to attack. You know, I think the best example of that is he threw an interception against the Dolphins uh, back in week three that was kind of inconsequential, but that was, you know, everybody had the same thought. You know, oh, that's just Dak trying trying to take one. That's just Dak being greedy. And we've never really seen that from Dak Prescott up till this point. And so, uh, it, it has its pros, certainly, but it also comes with those tiny little cons. But I think overall, it's a net gain, and that's why Dak is uh, playing at the level he is so far.
1: Now, I've got my own thoughts on this, which I'll share in a second, but I wanted to ask you, is Dak an MVP candidate in your mind?
0: You know... um this is a really interesting question and and so much of it i think uh ultimately you know there's a difference i think between to see an mvp candidate and would you bet your house on him to win mvp and so um i I think that he actually fits into both because he's the quarterback of the dallas cowboys and so that that aids him much more than you know being um i I don't know being josh allen for example i don't know that josh allen's an mvp candidate but I I certainly think when you're ranking people, he's behind Russell Wilson. He's behind Lamar Jackson. But after that, it's hard. I mean, if you wanted to put Deshaun Watson ahead of him, I I wouldn't lose much sleep over that. And you can certainly make great arguments for non-quarterbacks like Michael Thomas and Christian McCaffrey. But I think that there's a strong argument to be made that Dak Prescott is playing like the third-best quarterback in the NFL. At times, the best. I mean, you can go a long way, uh, you know, sort of peeling the onion back on value, you know, how much does he bring to the Cowboys? But he is, uh, you know, the Cowboys have the number one offense in the NFL by DVOA, and, and he's a big reason why. He's on pace if you throw for over 5,000 yards. No Cowboys quarterback's ever done that. I think he's firmly in the MVP conversation. And if he were to beat the Patriots, that would uh, that would give a lot of narrative juice to his campaign.
1: Yeah, and I think he is an MVP candidate right now, given the numbers he's put up and some of the advanced numbers. But do you think if they go on a run, maybe it starts with a win this weekend, that he gets ahead of, say, Wilson and Lamar in that conversation?
0: I think it's possible from the perspective of, I mean, they're the Cowboys, right? So, like, a lot of people are going to see what he's doing. This game against the Patriots, for example, is America's Game of the Week. So, like, the whole world's going to see. And then, you know, they're going to play on Thanksgiving Day. So, under the thought that maybe he would go on a run. I mean, if he beats the Bills, you know, even if it's the Bills, but does it on Thanksgiving, that's going to send a lot of people a message. The game after that, they're in Chicago against a very good defense. That's on Thursday night football, so the whole world will see that. There are two games after that. They get the Rams at home and the Eagles on the road. That Rams game is going to be Fox and, and Buck and Aikman and Aaron Andrews, so the whole world will see that. And then I'd imagine that that Eagles game gets flexed to Sunday night. And so if if he puts together, you know, an overall solid campaign through that, I think he can definitely, you know, sort of climb in this conversation because, I mean, the uniform he wears is so much of that uh, and the position he plays. But I think, um, you know, this is the time of year. The MVP race truly starts kind of right around Thanksgiving.
1: Now, I want to revisit something from the summer. Steve Paolozolo from PFF tweeted back in August and he retweeted it on Wednesday of this week that if Kellen Moore makes Dak look like a star this season, does that say more about Kellen or more about Dak? Where do you come down on that question?
0: You know, um, I, I I hate to cop out and say that it says a lot about both, but I'll cop out and say that I think it actually says a lot about Amari Cooper. Uh, ah. you, you know, because th- those arrivals are sort of, you know, intertwined. I mean, Kellen Moore has been on this staff technically for now two seasons. He was the quarterback's coach last year, obviously. And so I mean I think that Kellen I, I think that what Kellen has done is understand Kellen's brought the millennial to the Cowboy staff. Like, right. yeah, you know, we we don't have to run on first down, you know? And so like those are the things that I think have really aided uh, Dak Prescott certainly is just, I think Kellen has created that opportunity. I don't know that Kellen is necessarily scheming things open for the Cowboys or whatever, uh, but I think he's allowing for that opportunity to exist or to flourish. I think Dak is obviously executing. And, you know, so I, I think Kellen Moore is certainly deserving of credit. But what Amari Cooper has done is, is you know, I, I, I don't know where it was. I, I heard on some podcasts over the offseason that the Bills were really focused on bringing in receivers over the offseason, uh, receivers that could gain separation. And so that's why they brought in John Brown and Cole Beasley. They were tired of, you know, Kelvin Benjamin-esque players that were just kind of 50-50 guys that you had to throw it up and hope came down with it. And we've seen Josh Allen have success as a result. And I think the Cowboys, Amari Cooper has allowed them to do that. I think Michael Gallup's ascension this season has allowed them to do that. And I think Randall Cobb has. I mean, Dak has a a variety of weapons, and he's benefiting from it. But he's also benefiting, to your point, uh, by the guy that's calling the shots
1: let's talk about this defense right now what is the strength of the cowboys defensive unit
0: oh uh that's a that's a tough question um uh, you know it's interesting because Um, through 10 games this season the Cowboys are actually allowing less points per game less total yards per game and a lower third down conversion rate than they were last season and people sort of hold the 2018 defense in high regard Uh, to the narrative point people remember that game against the New Orleans Saints where they beat them on Thursday night football and so everybody thought coming into the season they were going to be great Leighton Vander Esch and Jalen Smith were supposed to be the heart and the best unit on this defense but They've, they've played quite poorly, to be honest, Leighton Der specifically. And so that's been a bit of a letdown. I would say right now the, the absolute strength is the edge rush on this team. I mean, the Cowboys have Demarcus Lawrence, who's playing great after getting paid, and Robert Quinn, who they traded for, who's been a man on a mission for them. He has eight and a half sacks at this point. And while they're getting a lot of edge rush pressure, they're not getting much along the interior, and that's kind of been their weakness. And, you know, it's amazing how those two dudes – uh, can really sort of make a big difference and keep them in games as often as they are. But the strength of that defense is without question they're two edge rushers.
1: I was going to ask you sort of about pressure in Tom Brady because we've seen over the years that interior pressure is what gets him off of his spot and flustered, not edge pressure. Given what you just said about this defensive front, how do you think Dallas goes about trying to get pressure on Brady?
0: You know, Jason Garrett has a uh, a philosophy of sorts that frustrates a lot of people that's You know, well, next man up, or you know, you're you're just gonna have to win, and I think that was really exemplified uh, in the Chaz Green game in Atlanta two years ago. You know, they were down Tyron Smith, and and it was just simply okay, Chaz, you you've got to do the job today, and he failed uh, miserably. And so I I believe that, you know, Jason Garrett and and Rod Marinelli are going to rely on Malik Collins. They're going to say, you're going to have to play really well. I think maybe Michael Bennett probably rushes more from the interior this week, uh, which is certainly a lot of fun considering it's the Patriots of all teams. But I think that's the only answer. Malik Collins has played well. Uh, And if Michael Bennett's able to line up there, I think that gives the Cowboys another option. What's frustrating, I think, for Cowboys fans is, you know, the Cowboys didn't have a first round pick this season because of the Amari Cooper trade, but they spent their first pick, their second round selection on Tristan Hill, defensive tackle out of Central Florida, who's been really disappointing, who's been inactive more often than not. Uh, But I I think the answer is going to come down to Malik Collins and Michael Bennett and, and hope that you can get enough edge pressure that the interior isn't as important as it typically is against Tom Brady.
1: You know, you mentioned the linebackers, and we know the Patriots often seek to get matchups, and sometimes that comes down to their running backs. James White, Rex Burkhead on linebackers. If that's going to be the game plan for New England, how do you think that goes and works against this Cowboys defense, given what you said about the linebackers just now?
0: Well, I mean, I think that's tough. I mean, you know, the Cowboys went on a bit of a run last season. Uh, so much because of what Jalen Smith and Leighton Vandrish were able to do. Uh, you know, Leighton Vandrish got really hot, you know, when that run started, when they went to Philadelphia last season. And if if that's weak for the Cowboys, I mean, they're going to have a hard time. And and Sean Lee ha- play, had a great game a few weeks ago on Monday Night Football on the road against the Giants. But, I, I mean, the they, the defense truly goes as as far as, I would say, Leighton Vandrish, but really as far as Jalen Smith goes. I mean, he's capable of having some splash plays and some big moments, but – I mean, if those are far and few in between, I think it allows for your Julian Edelman's to sort of run all over that defense because that's where they're going to operate. And if the Cowboys can't stop them, I mean, those are going to be critical, you know, sort of third and I don't even want to say third and six, like second and six moments that when you add those up at the end of the game, they're going to make a difference and they're going to be the opportunities that they missed.
1: Now, RG, I want to get you out on this one. This has all been fantastic. And you sort of alluded to some of my branding on Toto on Twitter with <laughs> Toto and other things. One of the things that you do, which I love so much, is the Victory Polo Monday. If the Cowboys wed, you post a picture of yourself with the Victory Polo, and some of your readers and listeners do the same thing. And I think it's a great little thing to build community. If you're going to post such a picture on this upcoming Monday, what are you going to need to see happen for the Cowboys to pull off this one in Foxborough?
0: You know that's uh, it's. Uh, see, that's why I love you, Mark. You're the only person who appreciates victory polo Monday. There we go. Um and and I want to be clear. You know, with Thanksgiving coming up, even when they win on a Thursday or a Saturday, it's still victory polo Monday. We got to you can, know. it's you gotta it's have standards. Yeah, exactly. But um, no, I mean for the, for that to happen, um, I, I you know this feels like. You know, the Cowboys have obviously had a lot of success with Dak Prescott, as we discussed this season. But I mean, given the strength of the Patriots defense, you know, the strength being all of it. And I think the secondary, you know, I think this is one of the best Patriots secondaries of, of, you know, in franchise history. I'm sure you would agree. I I don't know that Dak Prescott, you know, can throw it 46 times like he did last week in Detroit. And and maybe game script will sort of dictate that. Maybe it will be necessary. Maybe Tom Brady gets hot, you know, this week of all weeks. And, you know, we watch a sort of 37-31 barn burner. But I, I think that this is going to have to be sort of a vintage Jason Garrett Cowboys win. I think, you know, we, we've seen them have these tor- these sorts of wins. You know, they went to Seattle in 2014. They went to Pittsburgh in 2016. And and those are those games where they put together those long eight, nine-minute drives in the third quarter that just drain the clock and just, I mean, first down after first down, Zeke Elliott here, Zeke Elliott there, you get a touchdown, you know, you go play defense maybe you get a turnover, and you do it again. I, I think they're going to have to, you know, just sort of, try to wrestle this one away. I don't know that their game best suits uh you know, trying to win a big sort of scoring matchup with this team because the Patriots are so good on defense. I think, you know, the Eagles I think, you know, getting off to a ten note start, if that happens for the Cowboys, I'd really like their chances just because they've they've had such slow starts this season they fell down 31-3 to the Packers 21-3 to the Jets 14-0 to the Vikings and they were unable to climb out of those holes if they can get a lead and they can try to sit on it they've shown the ability to do that in years past and if they have to rely on Dak for a particular third down conversion I think he's playing at a level that he could pull that off of them
1: fantastic stuff RG Great to get you on and get your insight. Please, before you go, remind everybody where they can find you, your work, and everything you're doing at Blogging the Boys.
0: Uh well, I'm on Twitter at rgotowa. That's sort of a hub for uh, for all things Twitter. is a, a lot of fun. That's where I hang out with my buddy Mark. Uh, and uh, you can uh, listen to Blogging the Boys podcast feed. Uh, we've got four different shows. I've got my podcast there as well. Uh, we're available on all major podcast platforms. Uh, I know that listeners are certainly subscribing to the Pat's Pulpit podcast feed. So. Uh, make sure you hit btb as well you know give a, a review a rating those things are always helpful and uh, com. that's uh, where we like to live and camp out and hopefully uh you know sunday evening monday morning have uh, have some good vibes entering thanksgiving
1: fantastic please do check out Blog the Boys. check out rj their twitter feed of Boys is really fun it's a ton of fun to follow them all week long all season long so please do check them out now friends that will do it for today Next time you hear from me is on Saturday. We've got Pat's Pulpit Radio Rewind recapping some of the stuff we had this week on the Pat's Pulpit podcast feed, as well as getting you ready for the weekend of football ahead. That will do it for me. Until then, please keep on blessing that Patriots ring down in Foxborough.